Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubbs at the Club, your University of Idaho affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined as always by full-time producer, part-time, I'm not allowed to say it anymore, Martin. How's it going in Moscow? It's going great. It's finally had to turn the heat on in Moscow. I am excited. It's another, after two weeks, a uh, weekend off of Vandal football, I am happy to have it back. I feel like uh, we needed that week off. By the way, Tubbs the Club presented by Snake River Stampede Canadian Whiskey. We're joined today. We got a new co-host. Uh, first time Tubbs co-host, I believe, uh, Montana Parlay. But you've been doing stuff with the Big Sky Podcast Network forever. Used to be uh, regular on the Montana Mints podcast, Big Sky Big Takes. Uh, and currently, you got a new show you'll tell us about, Montana Parlay. How's it going? Pretty good, though. I, I'd be better if I had some of that whiskey you just mentioned. Well, you know, if you're going to bring it up, we might as well hit it already. Snake River Stampede, Can- Canadian whiskey, one of the best buys in Idaho State liquor stores, $25.95 for a fifth of the standard. Or it's a, you're celebrating a big win. Like, hey, if Idaho wins this weekend against Montana State, I'm pouring the 1915 small batch. Both are double barrel finished. If you haven't given Snake River a shot, dude, you need to absolutely this week. But uh, look, Dallas is on the shelf. So... Montana Parlay has been, uh, look, he, he's been kind of the eyes and ears for us about Montana State, especially with gamble, with Lions. But uh, Jake, glad to have you here. Uh, you want to take one second to go over the Saturday show you have that everyone needs to be watching before they place their bets? Yeah, um, me and Colby from Weber State Weekly, we put on a little, you know, it's a little uh, off the cuff because of how the lines come out. If you follow FCS Sports Betting, uh, lines do come out late, um, you know, n- not always uniform. Every state's a little different. Uh, offshore books used to be more dependable. They aren't anymore. So we're actually moving that short to 1215 central time, uh, you know, 1115 rock uh, mountain time and 1015 Pacific. So if you like to bet, if you like to bet on FCS, tune in. You know, we're on the um, FCS Fans Nation YouTube channel. One double A parlays. Just check out Montana Parley on Twitter or uh, Colby and Weaver State Weekly, and you'll find the show. That's Saturdays, twelve fifteen Central. If you like money, that is exactly, dude. So, okay. With, with that said, dude, we have another huge game in Moscow, which we can confirm on Tubs at the club. This is essentially a back-to-back sellout in Moscow, as of today, at, which is Wednesday, October twenty-fifth. There are fewer than 100 tickets left available uh, for the general public. You have to call the ticket office if you want to get one of those. There's a handful. They're still left for students and parents to claim as a student parent weekend. So, hey, if you don't have a ticket, parents, and you have a student, your student can buy you a, a parent ticket. But uh, tickets are going to be hard to come by. If you want them, call them. And be- call the ticket office immediately in the morning. First back-to-back sellouts in the Kibbe Dome, Montana Parlay since... I have no idea. I, and I, I, that's not a joke. I truly have no idea when the last time Idaho sold out back-to-back games. So look, we're, we're hosting Idaho, number nine, Idaho, hosting number two, Montana State. Uh, Idaho coming off a loss. Montana State's only loss was week two, 20 to 16 at number one, South Dakota State, a game Montana State uh, definitely could have won. Other than that, last week against Sacramento State was kind of the only like non-shitty team Montana State had played other than South Dakota State. But look, if, if we look at the tail of the tape for Montana State, honestly, since Brent Vegan has taken over post-COVID, and look, he, he took over a very well-running program from Jeff Choate. So I don't want to pretend like things haven't been going well there for a while. But look, Brent Vegan came over from Wyoming. His background, he's look, he's North Dakota State-centric with his route to Montana State. He was a tight end at North Dakota State from 93 to 97. Immediately in 98, became an NDSU GA. And from 98 until 2013, he stayed at North Dakota State, moving up the chain. First as a positional coach, from tight ends to quarterbacks to running backs to passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach in 08. Then in from 09 to 2013, he's the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. 2014, he follows Craig Bolt, University of Wyoming, where he starts as the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach from 2014, 2016. Then from 2017 to 2020, he's the OC QB coach and associate head coach. Then he leaves for Montana state. And since Brent vegan's been at Montana state, they're 30 and six overall, but 
six is also kind of deceptive with those losses in three years. Montana Parlay, two of them are in the playoffs, one in a national championship, one in a national semifinal. Two of them are FBS losses, one in 2022 to number 17 at the end of the year, Oregon State. In 2021, there's one to Wyoming. So there's two total FCS losses in Brent Vegan's three-year stint. His The worst team Montana State's lost to since he's been there was in 2021, number seven, Montana. Like Montana finished number seven that season. That's the single worst FCS loss Montana State's endured since Brent Vegan is there. And like last year, Bobcats go 12 and 2, 8 and 0 in conference, share the conference title. They're a number four seed in the playoffs, make it to the national semifinal, lose to eventual champion South Dakota State 39 18. This year, the team's 6 and 1. I already referenced their, their only loss. They're 4 0 in Big Sky, beat number six Sacramento State 42 to 30 last week. But with that as the background, Montana Parlay, things are going pretty damn well in, in Bozeman. The what Brent Vegan does offensively is one of the things that I think kind of stands out uh, compared to not only almost any team in the Big Sky, but any team in the nation, particularly with the quarterbacks. You're you've been watching all the Montana State games, man. What stands out about what the Bobcats do offensively? Well, it's run the damn ball. I mean, it, that's the thing they have been building towards the goal of beating the best teams in the Valley, which was North Dakota state forever. And now it's South Dakota state. Um, you know, each year we got closer and closer each year. I'd get my hopes up. Uh, I was at three of those losses, by the way, uh, the two, the, the two latest South Dakota state ones, and then the game in Wyoming, which we should have won that game, but we're building up the offensive line to a point where we can play with the big boys in the trenches, which Right now, it's South Dakota State because everyone, you know, that's where the difference is, is offensive, defensive line. That's where, you know, we just look different in those few of those playoff games under Choate. Um, and I think we've got there. And now with the stable of running backs we've got, we're so deep and it's just ridiculous so I, I'm just waiting to see defensively where we are. I'm, I, I'm one of those guys who I some might say I'm a little too negative sometimes on the Cats, although this year I'm feeling pretty good. But, you know, each time I get my hopes up, then we, you know, get our butts kicked by North Dakota State in the semifinal or the championship or South Dakota State last year in the semifinal, although that was an ice rink. Um, but this year I think we finally got there. And I'm just waiting to see what the defense will do. And that's where your team, I think, can challenge us a bit because we have not played a true passing team this year. So I'm just waiting to see. That's one thing I'm a little – the thing I'm most uncertain about as the team as a whole. I'm very confident in the, you know, the, the run game, the offense as a whole, our defensive line. But I don't know how we can protect how we protect against the pass because we haven't played a solid passing team yet. You know, South Dakota State didn't really throw the ball much. They had a weird play calling. They didn't execute till the fourth quarter. They did just enough to win it. Other than that, look at our schedule. Well, South Dakota State is still reeling at the loss of Jason Eck. So hey, hey, give give them time. They'll recover someday. Uh, but I want to talk hey, you're you hit a point that we are 100% going to circle back to as in like, Hey, what, if Idaho is going to pull out a win, what has to happen? And obviously like, Hey, you hit a big one for us to talk about, but for our Idaho listeners who have not watched the Bobcats in that, uh, as much as you to talk about, to stress the run game, it's, it's not possible to do that too much against Montana state on the season. The Bobcats have rushed 159 times to 78 pass attempts. And in lots well, of, sorry, that's in big sky play. And in Big Sky play, Montana State is rushing three for 330 and a half yards per game on eight. But this is the one that's flooring 8.3 yards per carry in conference. So they're running twice as much as they pass. Everyone knows this is what's going to happen. And the team's averaging 8.3 yards per game. Yeah, like you hit the schedule, but they beat the shit out of Sac State on the ground, too. And part of how Montana State does that is, look, you hit the, the O line kicks ass. And I don't mean to breeze over that because that's that's what makes what Montana State does feasible. 
but Montana state has a dual quarterback system that uh, it works as seamlessly as I've ever seen two quarterbacks work together, which is what we have. There's Tommy Malott, who's, you know, the theoretical starter and Sean chambers. Um, I think it works because vegan calls different play, different style plays typically for each player. So it's not like a huge system overhaul when one quarterback comes in, it's just look, the team knows they're going to do things differently. Uh, Tommy Malott is, to me, the more effective intermediate passer, more accurate intermediate passer. He is, though he does, some of his rushes certainly go up the middle. He's more of a danger around the outside because he's pretty damn fast and hard to take down. Um, Sean Chambers, on the other hand, he, look, he's, he's very strong and he's fast too, but the overwhelming majority of his runs are right up the gut. And look, teams know that's that, that's coming. And they can't really can't really stop the dude um, through the air. Chambers, I think. Hey, tell me if this is wrong, Parlay. I think Chambers probably has a better deep ball than Tommy Malott, but he's also a little bit more of an erratic passer. But that's not the overwhelming majority of what Chambers does. He definitely looks like a stronger arm. Not that Tommy doesn't have a strong arm, but uh, Chambers can put a zip on it. You know, from forty plus. Yeah, both of these guys as quarterbacks, if they were at a school that was not Montana State this year, I'd expect both of them would start virtually anywhere except for like maybe what Idaho does with Giovanni McCoy. Because I think McCoy is a better passer than both those guys, but they have other strengths. But like, hey, throw um, throw Tommy Malott in Montana. He's probably starting. Throw him at Sacramento State. He's probably starting. Throw Sean Chambers at Northern Arizona. He's probably starting. Throw him in Eastern Washington or Idaho. Well, maybe not Idaho State because they pass it 700 times a game. But I think he's. I think Sean Chambers could start at virtually any school as well. And they both play quite a bit dude so that's I that's the kind of the beginning and end of what montana state does you hit the line uh partially with montana state because their o-line is so damn good it all it barely feels like it's worth pay, referencing who the running backs are but hey uh julius davis transferred from wisconsin looked great last week against sacramento state on the season he's averaging 7.2 yards per carry with three touchdowns uh, Jared White is the leading running back as far as number of running back carries, 70, uh, 52 attempts on the season, averaging 9.1 yards per carry and four touchdowns. But like the, the battering ram of this team is Sean Chambers, uh, 11 touchdowns. He honestly, dude, watching Chambers and I'm a lot too. watching Chambers. You can see, look, if Montana State gets it to third and four. That's essentially a layup for what the Bobcats have been doing this season, which is Punish teams on the ground, but then hey, they still they still throw it enough to keep teams honest. Yeah, and you know you can't say enough about the offensive line, and that's where it starts. My brother, one of my brothers, uh, he's an honorary Grizz fan. I think he's a Grizz fan when it annoys me and my other brother, who are cat fans. But uh, you know, he said today he, he will get. We'll probably talk gambling a little later, but we were talking about the point spread and what we're going to bet on. But he said today, you know, the Montana State offensive line is probably the best line in the big sky since 2005 Grizz, you know, when they had that elite uh, offensive line. You know, that was, what, 18 years ago. So I I don't know if that – I don't follow all the other teams over the years, but, you know, that's a pretty good company to keep. And as far as, yeah, passing, I, I was kind of getting a little bit with some guys on Twitter – saying we just need to run it against sack, run it against sack, you know, until they stop us. You got to pass it sometimes because you're not always going to face a team that you can run against. And if you don't throw it a little bit, you know, you're going to be rusty when you come out and have to throw. Look at the second half against South Dakota State. Chambers' first throw was in the second half. It was an interception. So we need to throw it a little bit for two reasons. So we don't have any rust when we have to. And also, it does – a little bit of balance is good. You know, even though teams know we're running and we still run it for six yards of carry, um, sometimes you get stopped. And uh, – or, obviously, the big runs happen when the team is expecting a pass and vice versa. So, you know, it's, we do run it 70% of the time, but those 30% of the time we're passing the ball are huge. You know, look at – the the, the championship run the Bobcat had, I'd say that was more about Tommy's 
passing the ball because everyone was stacked in the box ex- expecting him to, to run, and he just threw it up to McCutcheon, and that's kind of what got uh, sparked that playoff run. So passing is important for this run-heavy team. Yeah, and look, they they do both of those, again, relative, relatively speaking, well enough. You know, If you look at individual stats um, offensively, Chambers has the most passing attempts, but he's played more games because Tommy Malott, you know, he, he missed three games with injury. Chambers on the season, he's completing 55.7% of his passes, 733 yards, six touchdowns, two picks, averaging 104 yards per game. Malott, when he's played 30-43, that's 69% for 382 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. So, hey, that's uh, that's a total of two picks on the season thrown for Montana State. The team itself has picked off nine passes. So, look, we'll probably – this is something we're going to have to talk about with Idaho, but Idaho has not been uh, great this season turnover-wise. They're definitely negative in the turnover margin, minus playing Cal Poly. But, hey, uh, Cal Poly fixes that for everyone. Montana State's been effective at, for, at getting teams to turn the ball over. Maybe not quite at a level like – we saw from Montana last week, uh, sorry, two, two weeks ago against Idaho. But, you know, hey, look at the game against Sacramento State. Um, Idaho picks off Caden Bennett twice, and I uh, believe they also recovered a recovered a fumble as well. So, look, that's a positive turnover margin. I know you talked about um, Chambers did throw a pick right, right out the gate in the second half, but Montana State's come out on the right side of the turnover margin. So before we shift over to, like, the Idaho end, Jake, I mean, we, we do need to, you know, you hit on Montana State defensively. I think you're not wrong that Idaho is probably the biggest offensive challenge or defensive challenge the Bobcats are going to have of the season. But look, you can only play the schedule you have. And what Montana State's done in Big Sky play, they're the number one defense scoring wise. They've given up 71 points in four games for under allowing under 18 points per game, which as a reference point, Northern Colorado averages 18 points on the season. So Montana State is allowing a Northern Colorado level scoring output each week in Big Sky play. Total yardage, Montana State is number two in the conference. They're allowing 314 yards per game, which as a barometer, that's a, a little better than an average Weber State week. So look, they've been sound on both sides of the ball. The the Bobcats appear to be pretty healthy based off how the two deep works. They run a four, two, five. Um, they, they don't bring as much pressure as like Montana as university of Montana does or did against Idaho, but they're able to drop seven back in coverage whenever they want. And like, I just hit the, I hit the total stats we're talking about, man. They've been pretty good. Jake in the games you've paid attention, you've been watching from Montana state. What has stood out defensively? that they trust the line to apply pressure and then the guys can cover you know they can double guys like hatton's probably gonna get some double coverage they're gonna trust the line and i like the line matchup big time but you know mccoy is gonna move around i i would just was trying to watch the the montana game idaho montana game before this and something happened with my dvr so only caught those last few minutes and that the touchdown that could have tied it towards the end, I mean, that's one of those pressure or no pressure, good coverage or no, you just can't defend against that. When he rolls out and throws it, he's almost going out of bounds, and Hatton catches it in the back of the end zone. That's the stuff, you know, you really can't game plan that well against. You know, McCoy's going to slip away. He's going to roll out. He's going to make crazy throws, and whether or not – they're caught, you know, it's going to be huge. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting because I really like our front four to apply pressure on their own. We don't need to throw too many blitzes out there. And, and, and to your credit real quick, Jake. Yeah. Montana state leads the big sky in sacks. Yeah, exactly. So they don't need much. It's those, those linemen have really stepped up and taken care of business in the trenches. And I think you guys are, you know, hurting a little bit, a little young, a little small on offensive line. So that is not going to be a good matchup. But sometimes when you've got – you're playing QBs like McCoy, sometimes he thrives on getting pushed out of the pocket. 
So sometimes what looks good for Montana State, having four guys get past their blockers every time will end up hurting Montana State on a broken play. So those broken plays and, you know, pressures and how McCoy executes is going to be the key to the game to me. Um, so, you know, we'll see how hard – our DBs can hold up. So, hey, we're, we're going to now, we're going to shift to Idaho end right after we hear from other sponsor, okay. Hughes River Expedition. Martin, oh man, Martin, you, you're the home run hitter I, with zero notice all the time. Okay. It, dude, here's the thing about Hughes River Expedition. They're owned by Vandals. And if you have ever wanted to go on a river rafting trip, you ever want to see the middle fork of the Salmon River, the main Salmon River, no return, the Salmon River Canyons of the Selway, get a hold of Colin. The trips are all inclusive. So truly just get your ass there and you're going to have a fantastic, fantastic trip. doesn't matter if you're a larger group doing it as like a corporate or like, you know, team building kind of retreat or just, you're just a family and you want to have a trip on the rapids, see the outdoors, do something you're going to talk about for the rest of your life with your family. Well, Hey, those work too. So just get a hold of Colin, call him now at 802, sorry, 800 262 1882 or check him out at hughesriver.com. Amateur hour. So, Jake, the Idaho end, you look, you talked about Giovanni McCoy. I want to shift back. I want to shift to the passing thing in a second, but I want to hit one thing that you may, you probably missed just by not seeing some of the early Idaho game against Montana. Um, one of the things that Idaho is going to have to do differently this week is the team was clearly not ready for the type of sellout environment at the Kibbe Dome and what it means to play a sellout in front of your own fans versus like what they did in montana last year where it's opposing fans the team looked just a little bit out of sync in the first half uh some truly self-inflicted gunshot wounds in that first half that really uh, really hurt idaho never mind the other schematic stuff uh jason neck talked about that in his press conference after the montana game of idaho's gonna have to clean they're gonna have to clean it up and hey montana state the thing that stands out to me from having watched montana state against sacramento state and what it means for idaho is because of what Montana State does offensively and because they're good defensively, you a team like Idaho, which is number nine in the nation, yeah, you, they're not going to be able to come out on the negative side turnover-wise against Montana State. Montana State scores too well, and they they can do exactly what Idaho likes to do with, the, with that run game, which is put the other offense on ice, get a lead, and make the other team have to be incredibly efficient offensively. Uh, that that is the concern from the Idaho end. If we start out sluggish, I think it might, the loss from Montana to Montana might've been good uh, as far as getting the team a little more in tune effort wise. But like you, you referenced Giovanni McCoy um, needing to have a good, you know, Giovanni McCoy is a very good quarterback. We're stoked to have him as a starter. You, you reference something that he's going to have to do, which is I guarantee uh, because of Idaho as a, uh, Offensive line unit has been better against the run than pass protection. And Idaho's going to get in points where they need they need McCoy to make plays and they need the receivers to come down with the ball, like you said. McCoy's gonna have to be able to make something out of nothing a bit against a Montana State team that can get you with four guys. Uh kind of like he did against Montana in a different way. So uh the only issue that I'm gonna say is different this week, Jake, than against Montana is Look, McCoy played played very well overall, but hey, there's he had three turnovers. Um, he Idaho's not going to be able to have three turnover, turnovers out of the quarterback position position and come away with a win. What else from the Idaho end, I guess, has you anxious at all from the Montana State end? As in, like, hey, we already referenced Idaho's probably the best offense Montana State's playing. If Montana State doesn't come out on top or it stays a close game, what would you expect is probably what happens for Idaho? that you start strong i mean you're ob you're not gonna beat montana state with seven points in the first half like you had against the grits and i think like you referenced uh the wake-up call like they weren't they weren't ready to meet the moment against the grizz with a sellout at home against a surging grizz team that's been improving the last four weeks uh since they made the switch at qb which hashtag I don't wanna, haley thanks man yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, it's one thing to switch court. I don't want to talk about the Grizz too much. It's one thing to switch quarterbacks, but that line to actually switch from not blocking to blocking, although having a mobile QB, obviously, as you know, makes a huge difference with a, an average or less offensive line. 
you know, what gets me is like they will be more ready to meet the moment. They learn their lesson versus the Grizz. So it's not like we're going to surprise them in the first half like the Grizz did. I don't know who Montana State is. Maybe they didn't. They might have underestimated the Grizz a little bit. They beat them last year in Missoula. Grizz lost to Northern Arizona. They might have been a little cocky. They might have been like, it's our house. We're going to come out and whip them because we beat them in Missoula. They know ahead of time, Montana State, who they are and how they have to play. So they're not going to be surprised in the first half. Well, to be fair, with the Montana thing. Montana looked like shit for the first half of the season. Montana State, that's not the case. Like if no. if you are a if you're paying attention to football and you do not understand Montana State is for real, you should probably just quit watching football. Uh, the yeah, the Bobcats again. They're they're only losses to the number one team in the nation on the road by four in a game that I, I'm, I expect you think Montana State should have come away with that. Yeah. Uh, so from yeah. so from the Idaho end, like here is what I think is a bit of a riddle that Jason Eck is going to have to untangle against Montana. Idaho was most effective moving the ball when they went tempo Sacramento state to me also against Montana state was most effective moving the ball when they could go tempo and not deal with the self-inflicted gunshot wounds of false start penalties and stuff like that. That did hurt Sacramento state. The reason I say it's a riddle Jason Eck hasn't made the secret. What he likes to do offensively is sit on that, that play clock till it gets under five every single play the the rusty fried host to get a lead in, and force the other teams to be incredibly efficient offensively and if they can't do it you're not going to hang with idaho the difference being montana state has the they also have the type of offense that you want to keep off the field idaho's had some tackling issues at certainly at times throughout the season that like, hey what i what's idaho gonna have to do differently in this game you know to keep it close pull away a win uh, Idaho can't deal with the lapses and tackling like we saw against Montana and Eastern Washington. Montana State's a different beast than those teams. But for Idaho to keep that Montana State offense on ice, well, that's where the slow, slowing it, the slower pace comes in. But Idaho also might run into, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Idaho saw the, the game film from Sacramento State, Montana State, and thinks, okay, well, this is something we can do against a team as strong up front as Montana State is try to give him less time to get settled. And it was effective against Montana. Um, and, you know, Hey, this was hit in a comment section uh, from captain 58. I'm uh, frantically scrolling up captain to get to where you said this, but you know, Hayden Hatton believes, you know, when it becomes kind of schoolyard football, he's going to win every time. Uh, I 100% buy that, but I also think, Hey, uh moving tempo might be a better way to get, to get Hatton, those kind of matchups, to get Jermaine Jackson, another first team, big sky receiver, those kind of matchups to get Therese trainer uh, parlay. Uh, so Idaho has three, their top three receivers are all former, all big sky receivers uh, already hit the first two were first team last year, but then number three, Therese trainer was third team in 20, 2021. Uh, those guys with, you know, thrive at tempo, but Jason Eck was also open that he didn't really like the play calling split of the Montana game where Idaho passed more significantly more than they ran. Idaho typically likes to do about a 45 pass to 55% rush split. So I guess I don't know how Jason Eck is going to best untangle that against to me what, you know, I mean, Montana state is as close to Cal um, as any team Idaho has played this year. Cal being the team I know lost to in the OC. Yeah. Yeah. As far as, yeah, size of the line in some of the skill positions. And, you know, it'll be interesting. This, this game, who gets the ball uh, first will mean something and how they set the tone because the, the Vandal, you know, both teams, I think the first drive will probably try to have a methodical drive to eat up the clock, you know, get at the very least get the switch the field position obviously they're trying to score but you know back to the some mention of the bobcats working on passing is vegan knows what teams he's playing and he adjusts accordingly like he knows we have we're dominant in the trenches in this game he's not going to pass it until he absolutely has to or when you least expect it he's just going to try to get four yards of carry he's not scared of third and four you know because if you get the third and four, it's like an 85, 90% chance of getting it, especially if you're near midfield and you know you're going in on fourth as well. So 
you know, I don't see the Bobcats passing it on first or second down um, until maybe they get a 10 or more point lead and they try to take them by surprise, you know. But, you know, Idaho, yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know he's going to throw in some trick plays, some trickeration. You know, he, he can't stop himself. Like yeah. even last week going for the trick play on the on most of that two point conversion, which in the presser, he defended it saying yeah. like, it, look in the presser, he talked about how not going for the field goal early was, it, it turned out to be a mistake, but at the time he thought Idaho's going to have to score over 30 to win the game. And they weren't going to get there on field goals. He acknowledged hey, that like maybe he should have done different, th- done that differently. No, he, he doubled down on that, on that play call. he, he absolutely feels it was the right call, feels that Hatton just slipped. So, no, you're right. He's going to. It's part of who he is. It's part of who his OC Luke Schleisner is. They can't help it. That's part of why we like them. Uh, but also, um, dude, against Montana, when I saw that, I, I was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, you know, it's the timing of those, the Montana State pass plays, the Idaho, how they manage – you know, up tempo versus the methodical drives in their trick plays and who executes. I mean, if it's close at the end, it's and anything can happen because, you know, you've got the home field advantage, you've got McCoy. Um, so it's, it's about you guys keeping it close within, within eight points, you know, or that's when I, as a Bobcat fan start to get nervous because I don't care how much better, we are in the trenches, how much better we are at every position except possibly quarterback and then receiver. If if this game is 10 points or less in the th- late in the third going into the fourth, you know, all bets are off, so to speak. Like it's just too much too many variables with college kids and you guys get too much talent at the skill positions to where I'd feel comfortable, you know, with with a close game late in the game. Yeah. And look, you hit skill positions. You have to expect one of the goals for Idaho is to get Anthony Woods more rushes than he had against Montana rushed 12 times for 41 total yards against Montana, but on the big sky conference season, which those are the stats I'm leaning into Anthony Woods leads the league in rushing uh, 69 attempts for 109 and a half yards per game, eight touchdowns average 6.3 yards per carry. Now again, I just have to hit this. This is these are flooring numbers to look at. I just went over Anthony Woods is leading the league in rushing, having a kick-ass season. Yeah, dude, number two in Big Sky play is Julius Davis, averaging eight point three yards per carry. And my God, Sean Chambers, six rushing touchdowns in Big Sky play on eleven point eight yards per rush, and all the overwhelming majority of his rushes are up the middle. It's the the numbers out of Montana State are. A, it's it's honestly breathtaking, dude. Because look, if you look at the Idaho end, Idaho's a very s- solid rushing team. Big Sky play their number three, 188.8 yards per game, 4.7 yards per carry. That's just over half of what MSU averages. So I I think for sure Idaho's going to work to get Anthony Woods involved more because Eck already referenced that a ton that he just he didn't like the play calling split they had to go to against Montana because of the early deficit and full disclosure if Idaho gets behind like that against Montana State uh, Brent Vegan isn't going to do Bobby Ball and do his best to let Idaho come back uh, if Idaho gets down they're just going to be down uh, I think this game it for Idaho to win this game it's going to need to be close and it's going to probably have to be close wire to wire because i just don't think this montana state team has it in them to lose by you know two two and a half scores to anyone i mean we just talked about how they were against number one south dakota state so if i for if idaho's going to come out on top it's going to have to be close wire to wire um idaho's going to have to force turnovers in a way they just have not done especially in the big sky conference season um while simultaneously uh, preventing Mon, which is simultaneously preventing Montana State from forcing turnovers, like the Bobcats have really had no trouble trouble with doing this year against a lot of the teams we referenced. A lot of the teams they beat up on sucked, but hey, they turned the, they forced the turnovers. Idaho just hasn't been doing that this season. And then, um, you know, my hope is if it, I, my hope is that you're right. It's uh it's a close enough game. We get in that fourth quarter, and then. Look, we're, we're talking less about the matchups and more about execution under pressure. 
and that the Vandals learned their lesson from Montana and are ready to pick up a win. Because from the Montana, look, Montana State end, I think they're pretty damn safe as far as like the, the second half of their schedule is tougher, but I think they're, I'm not worried about Montana State not getting a bye in the playoffs. And I guess I failed by burying the lead, Jake. If Idaho wins this, this game becomes a de facto version of a big sky conference championship game. As in, if, if I don't give Montana State the one conference loss, then we're looking at potentially a, a couple teams sharing the title at the end. And if Idaho picks up a win, we're talking Idaho uh, getting a first round bye is absolutely on the table. Montana State wins. They're undefeated. Then the their final, you know, big sky conference championship game will essentially be uh, Cat Grizz uh, if Montana can get there without another conference loss. So that that's the stakes for Idaho. Is a is a, keeping a chance to share of a conference title, and this game is going to be huge for for seeding purposes for the playoffs. As for you, Jake, what do you view the stakes as for Montana State? It's it's all about you know at this point, greedy Bobcat fans now, and I'm one of them, is not only making it to the Natty, but competing in the Natty and winning. And to do that, you need home field throughout the playoffs. I was at that game in Brookings last year. It was 40 below with wind chill. It felt like it anyway because of prairie cold is different than Montana cold. It just is. It was horrible. I mean, I was comfortable. I was in, in more layers than you can imagine. But those I don't see how anyone on the sidelines could even think straight. And the field was an ice rink. So playing the best teams at home in the semifinal – we beat them the year before that in Bozeman when X left. I mean, thankfully, Eck left at halftime at that game and then, I don't know, he or had someone else call the plays in the second half for South Dakota State because that was interesting. We're okay with that, too. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You know, he'd moved on to Idaho already. But um, home field advantage throughout the playoffs is so huge. You know, once you get to a certain point, where you're, it's championship. I don't, I don't want to say it's championship or bust, but having that home semifinal game is it's so important. And that's we can't get that most likely if we drop any game. And this is our toughest game left. You know, Grizz fans might hate on me, but this is our toughest game left. I mean, I guess at Wagriz, but I'm looking at the matchups like as they stand right now. I think this is our toughest game. Uh, someone mentioned the spread. I don't know if we want to break down gambling at a different point. You're here, but, man. Do it. All right. So we're on on a, a Can sports I pause bet. You? I apologize. I got to pause yeah. you. Mike Colts in the comment section saying uh, he's backing up what you're talking about about Prairie Colts saying the 2010 D2 yeah. National uh, Semi Minnesota Duluth hosted negative 15 actual temp coldest I've ever been. Uh, yeah, just to echo your point, dude. Uh, look, it's cold in the Northwest, prairie cold. Uh, it's a different level of unforgiving. What in like big thing about home games for the Bobcats late in the season or in the playoffs is we are on the sun side, and that second half, the other team freezes their asses off because they're they're in the dark, so to speak. And so when I was in Brookings, I'm like, oh, we're on the sun side. They're on the shade side. Why do they do this? This is such an advantage. Turns out we're on the wind side. They were on the block by the wind. And that cold, oh, my God, it was horrible. Like Anyway, I'll, that's enough about that damn game. Um, so the spread for this weekend, you know, Sports Bet Montana is ridiculous. If Montana people here, I don't, Vandals and Cats, and maybe the occasional Chris fan is tuning in here. Um, they post lines the earliest of any legitimate legal stateside sport book. They usually put Bobcat and Grizz lines up on Wednesdays at the latest. And you can go bet anywhere in Montana where there's a kiosk right now on this game. Montana State is favored by seven and a half. Okay. If you follow my brother and I on uh, Twitter, I'm at Montana Parlay. This brother is Big Sky Oh My. Um, he guessed six and a half. I think he just wanted to bet the Bobcats if it was six and a half. I guessed nine and a half. Come at me if you want. You know, statistical models say it's supposed to be 
you know, um, 13 or 14. But again, that doesn't always account for a lot of the X factors and the strengths of schedule, which you guys have had a much harder one. The to point total is 63 and a half. I think that's a stay away from me. Uh, I lean by, you know, I like the Bobcats to win and cover, uh, but I don't feel super great about it. You know, you guys have at least a 35% chance of winning. The money line's plus 235 on Idaho. So if you bet 100 bucks, you get $235 in profit. So you Idaho guys, you feel really confident. Cross the border over to Montana, go place some money line bets right now. You can get more, almost two and a half to one on your money. So I, um, you know, think that's, I like Montana State, but the, those backdoor covers or McCoy just doing his thing and winning outright is totally on the table. Uh, so far this year in the big sky, Idaho is the best against the spread. Sometimes that's slightly due to a tougher schedule because they're not always favored or you have tighter lines, whereas the Bobcat, and they're six and one, five, one and one, depending on what lines you were looking at or six and one. That's an amazing record against the spread. And that's the Idaho Vandals this year in the big. Which, hey, can I pause real quick on the strength of schedule thing? Just a reference point. You're right about strength of schedule. So like based off of Massey rate rankings, Montana state has the number eight schedule in the big sky, number 19 in the nation. Idaho has the number three schedule in the big sky, number eight in the nation. And the Bobcats are four and three against the spread. One of those losses against the spread was Cal Poly. They were favored by 40 and a half, and they won by 40. So it's like, okay, they, they're they a little worse against the spread, but th that's what we were dealing with were some of these 38 to 44-point spreads against crappy teams like Stetson and Utah Tech and Cal Poly. Um, and coaches aren't thinking about winning by 40 or more. They're like, if we're up by 28, let's, let's do some things. Let's get some subs in. So – you know, I, that's kind of where the gambling is. And that, you know, if I'm not bringing up players and stats, I'm here to uh, win money, bet on football, and watch the game. I'm not here trying to be the best at statistics. So that's my that's my Kenny Powers line for for uh, my big sky take. But uh, well, no, dude, I, I just I listened to I, you. I listened to you on the Mint Man bank bankroll management. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, that I actually. Yeah, I do listen to the Grizz Fan Pod a few times. And uh, last week, or this week, Luke was joking about me betting more than my salary. I'd like to be that big of a crazy person, but I'm not. I don't bet that much. I should be betting more. If you watch 1AA Parlays, I'm I'm 16-7 and seven so far after a 1-2 week. So I was 15-5. and five. I should be betting more with my record against the FCS the last 10 years. Bankroll management, if you got a thousand dollars at play, you know, you should be betting fifty to a hundred dollars per bet. Okay. So if you only want to play with a hundred bucks in gambling each year, you should only be betting five to ten dollars per game. That's what bankroll management is. And it's it's when we chase, when we double down on northern Colorado against uh, Cal Poly like I may or may not have done last week. How the hell does Northern Colorado score 17 against the worst team in the big sky and 21 against Washington State? I don't know. I can but, tell you that when we get to picking the big sky in a second. But, hey, not not trying to right. kill the, the soliloquy. we got to get to score predictions. Oh, yeah. So, Martin, you've been on the shelf, and we'll hit the comment score predictions in a second, dude. Just throw them in there. We see them starting to roll in. Before we get there, hey, uh, walk on apparel, guys. They're making some kick-ass Big Sky gear, in particular Idaho gear. Because Vandals and Tubbs listeners have been such loyal supporters of walk on, we have a special Tubbs at the Club coupon for you guys. Enter in coupon code TUBS in capital, all capitals, capital T U B S for 15% off at checkout. 10% of all purchases also go to the University of Athlete, University of Idaho Athletic Department. Score prediction, Martin. I I I I gotta be sunshine and rainbows here. I can't not pick Idaho. I'm feeling I'm I'm sticking with I think I believe what I've picked. 
as I picked them to win one, lose one game this year against in home, and it was Sacramento State. I was wrong. I'm picking them to win against Montana State, 26-23. Okay, Martin San, 26-23. Montana Parlay. Whew, those are some nice shirts. Um, all right, I, I'm going to go Montana State, 36, Idaho, 27. Yeah, in the comments section, Jason Mayer saying Idaho 45, MSU 38. I would love that game. Uh, Tom Kendall saying Idaho 31, MSU 28. I know we had some other score predictions, but then the talk of the Prairie Cold buried a few of them. But, okay, I'm – man, dude, this is the toughest one for me to pick. Uh, so Patty Furks, 42-35 Idaho. Turner Webb, 38-35 Idaho. Okay, here's my concern. I feel that like Idaho showed up flat and like against Montana. And also like one of the things Bobby Houck does is he is very good at uh, getting his team to kind of mobilize it like us against the world mentality, pretend they're victims and shit like that. But it works. Um, I don't think that's part of the Brent vegan math. I think Brent vegan is more calculated in how he views his team and they just kick ass at all facets, which is slight. Uh, that is concerning itself but I'm not concerned about Idaho not being present for the moment. Like they were not against Montana for a good chunk of that game. But that said, God damn it. Montana state's good. Hopefully their kicker gets another week. Cause he looks like a catastrophe. I'm going to go Montana state 35, 31. And uh, with that, we need to, Oh, then McLean Westbrook saying Idaho state 41 sack 38. Oh, wrong game. Oh, dude, McLean. We're, we're going to get there in a second. We're picking the rest of the big sky. And Hey, for rotating big sky picks guys, I'll do Martin. Then Montana parlay. I'll, I will give my score last. So other games we're looking at this week, we have, well, Hey, J- Jake, I'm sorry. I stopped you talking Northern Colorado, but we're right back there. The game you were wanting to talk about the most Northern Colorado travels to Missoula, Northern Colorado, fresh off as as you referenced scoring 17 points against the stalwart mustangs of cal poly martin who you got i this should be no surprise as to who everybody thinks i'm picking this week i think northern Colorado gets their first one of the season (laughs) yeah okay so uh uh, Montana parlay, you're gonna, you, I'm just gonna just have you roll right after Martin whenever you want to, but hey, you're next. Okay, uh, I think Northern Colorado will cover this 22 and a half point spread that's on the sports book, but the Grizz win. Yeah, so here is the riddle Northern Colorado has to unravel for themselves. They average 18 points a game in Big Sky play that counts playing Cal Poly. The only team worse is Weber State. And I say that's a riddle because the best defensive team in the league right now is Montana State giving up 17.8 points per game. So uh, what does Northern Colorado lean on to win? Nothing. They scored 17 against Cal Poly. They have no route to win for the rest of the season. That's it. They're done. Like it's Ed Lamb is a good coach who has a lot of work to do. Obviously going uh, Montana here. Eastern Washington traveling to top five Portland State to play in the top five Hillsborough Stadium Martin. Uh, Portland State keeps the damn cup. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Portland State had a trap game last week against Idaho State. They're too busy making sweet videos for social media and counting on beating Eastern. So they do beat Eastern. So I made the mistake of watching some of Idaho State, Portland State last week. Uh, In my defense, I was running errands which also means I was obviously watching in my car. Uh, so that's a second mistake. But Portland State had some pretty serious injury issues against Idaho State. Uh, like the top two running backs were out and running quarterback Dante Sashray was hurt too. I bring that up because uh, because there's such spectacular reporting coverage out of Portland State. Until we know they're healthy, they're I'm assuming they're not. And I think Eastern Washington is... Um, Look, they face plants. If they don't face plant away that Idaho State lead, which they easily could have avoided by just running the play clock down, we I think we view Eastern a little bit differently. So I'm going to go Eastern Washington. They're healthy at quarterback, and they have options there now for running as well. Hey, uh, some dude named Jay Ted says Grizz and Noco with the uh, Big Ten score. Are you familiar with that, Jay Ted Montana parlay? Yeah, I might know him. 
I had a theory. Okay. So I'm going to go, going to go Eastern Washington. After that, we have, okay, this is kind of the goddamn and not one of the anomalies that picking that I, I've been struggling with the, the Northern Arizona game, which I dread picking every week. Now UC Davis at Northern Arizona, Martin. Northern Arizona. Yeah. I, you know, when you pick games straight up, it's almost want to make fun of you guys rather than against the spread, but the, this Go game ahead. and good, the Eastern good. game are basically pickums, so it is. It's tough to pick them, and uh, I, fuck, Davis has looked so bad lately. Um, I, where's a coin? Ah, Davis, Davis. But, but then also, look in the last time we saw Northern Arizona State. By the way, at home, that was a couple weeks ago because they were on by last week northern arizona was murdered by top five portland state 45 21 so look i'm gonna go with davis because i agree davis is uh the word that i would describe that team this season is underwhelming but i i think they're just okay that's it i think we all got a little bit too excited about northern arizona they have like two wins like they're still this far in the season their well their record is well under 500 Davis at least has collected wins. I'm going to go UC Davis. Uh, also, I know no news about Land Larison that I know of, but Trent Tompkins will be playing, so they shouldn't be without their top two running backs. The uh, game that <laughs> Clayton wanted us to talk about early, Martin, Idaho State at Sacramento State. Look, McLean, I I love that we have Idaho State fans. I love that we have an Idaho State podcast, but I Sac State's going to win this big. I think uh, the jungle wins the Twitter battles, but ultimately Sack wins the game. Yeah, I think that's safe. And here's the issue I think uh, Idaho State's going to run into is they're okay on the ground defensively, but they're they're not particularly good. I think this. I think Sacramento State's going to recover. The other issue for Idaho State, I mean Sacramento State. Their only losses are to Idaho and Montana State, and they were competitive in both those games. This is still this is still a very good team. Idaho State is, uh, as a different uh, Montana Mint host might have said back in back in the day, a Montana parlay. Uh, Idaho State is frisky, but I think Sacramento State is still good. They're a playoff level team. I think Sacramento State's going to do. They're going to do just fine. Although, if you guys haven't watched Idaho State, they are a fun team. Uh, they're, they're to me, one of the, the success stories of the big sky, the way uh, Cody Hawkins has revitalized that program, the way they, the way, uh, Hey, Jordan cook has a goddamn arm. Uh, seriously, if you guys don't watch, if you haven't watched Idaho state this year, give them at least a quarter, but I'm picking Sacramento state. And look, we already talked about the Montana state, Idaho game, uh, parlay before you go. We do have to hit you with one thing we purposely give you no notice of. Every time we have a new co-host on, uh, we hit them with a reversal, which is you get a chance to ask us anything you want, whether it's Idaho-related, sports-related, not sports-related, why in God's name we were even here in the first place, why why I have a duster over my shoulder, I don't really care. But, hey, the floor is yours. It's any topic you want to run with. I figured the duster has to do with your OnlyFans account. And, um, hashtag, I almost made the whole hour long pod without even thinking about our kicker. So F you for bringing that up. Cause that besides McCoy doing his thing with Hatton, our kicker could be what allows you guys to win the game or at least stay close enough to pull it off in the end. Ugh. All right. So, so many questions I could come up with. First one, just because I watched the, the end of that Grizz game, who the hell was sticking the Thundersticks up in front of the camera? And uh, why didn't someone tackle them halfway through the broadcast? Oh, man. So I actually called uh, Brent Wahlberg uh, last weekend uh, just because I saw a tweet he made joking about Idaho fans. And like, I'm going to bring this up because this is my experience as, as an Idaho fan. I became a Vandal in 05, like one of the shittiest times I ever become a Vandal. And at that time, basketball and football were, it was in just, just a death match of who could be the shittiest. And 
football has recovered the last two years with a couple, you know, an Oasis season or two sprinkled in over the last 20 years. Basketball had a couple like 500 ish seasons, but like we just lived through the Zach Claus era hashtag right track. So the reason I bring that up, Idaho fans for 20 years have been taught in the two major sports. You don't have to show up. So like you do that for more than a generation, people don't know what in God's name they're doing. So like the students, they still have to learn to not like cheer when Idaho has the ball. The band has to figure out, hey, if Idaho's going for a two-point conversion, stop playing the damn fight song. Get to that later. Uh, that's part of the Idaho growth curve we're going through. So, uh, no, like, you're not wrong. Idaho fans are back-to-back sellouts. We're putting things together. But, look, I remember the Boise State game. This is back in, like, 08, I think. Martin, I'd have to look it up. But it was the first Boise State game in the Don Verlin era. That's basketball, uh, Montana Parlay. Idaho in the first season under Don Verlin back then they went from a dumpster fire forever to they were around 500, which felt like undefeated. That first Boise state game I went to essentially a sellout. The fans had no idea what to do. There'd be like five different cheers from six different sections at the exact same time. Like when teams don't win, people do forget how to do this stuff. So what you saw, uh, Hey, growth curve from the fans, just like we talked about from the players being needing to meet the moment. Well, that doesn't mean the fans all know in God's name what they're doing. I expect it'll be a little more coordinated this time, but, uh, yeah, you are like, if your basic point is like, Idaho fans, like what, what are you doing? No, you're right. Some of them don't know. That's just where we're at. And you know, you're right. When you're, when you suck for a long time, trust me, I, I was part of that, uh, that whole run of Bobcats couldn't win the brawl if their life depended on it for however many freaking years. And I went to games where we just showed up with our student IDs and walked through the gates into a half empty shitty stadium before they did all the remodeling. So as much crap as I give people for, you know, attendance numbers online, it takes a while to get to where you guys have got the last two games. And then it's, it's new. You, you don't know how to act, you know, you don't know how to act and you'll figure it out. Uh, you guys, the program is, I, I kind of miss the down the downtrodden tubs guys, you know, Brian, you know, when we first started the mint, the sad sacks, I don't know if I'll like you guys as winners. I, you know, you are winners now, but you still, you lost to Southeastern Louisiana in the playoffs. So, you know, you're winners, but you still need to prove some things. And once you do, I don't know if I'll still like you as much. So I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. Uh, but I, I do wish you guys the best going forward, except for this weekend and uh, at the game. I'm glad that means there's someone who enjoyed the Paul Petrino era. <laughs> so, uh, look, Martin, you, you want to give your answer to the basic question of what in God's name was going on? You answered it perfectly. That's all I can pretty much say. And I'm okay. And just to, I, I get, the like the the band thing, I think is just a natural. I'm, I'm not speaking for Spencer Martin. I don't know i haven't talked to him like seriously in like five six years like i think that is just a natural like habit of okay it's a touchdown pat they just play and i think he'll he learns pretty quickly and i hope he'll learn from that mistake yeah which that, that hey, like you're hitting on the point is like hey it's there's some learning curve stuff it worked out. I do want to make sure to hit the maybe the MVP of the comment section, McLean Westbrook. Attendance is tough. We can't all have a packed state of the art stadium like Portland State. Like, oh, hey, yeah. You're right. State um, of the art middle school stadium. Yeah. And then Jason Mayer, hashtag run, run, incomplete pass, hashtag CPP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Jake, you missed the hashtag uh, Coach Paul Petrino days. Uh, again, glad that makes PP era. Yeah. Uh, I, if we wanted to go another hour, I, my dad played for Petrino senior at Carroll college and I've got some stories, so I don't know, maybe another time. Yeah, dude. Okay. Before we, Hey, before we close out the one ad that we suck at bringing up all the time is the one for ourselves. So uh, support the show at patreon.com backslash tubs of the club, become part of our hashtag only tubs discord, which uh, has absolutely exploded this year. It's fun as hell. It makes the one, especially for road games, it uh, it's essentially going going wild wire to wire um, during those games. Home, which then makes it sweet because you have more vandals that you connect with online. You can then meet in person at the home games, and it's still pretty it's still pretty dang active during the home games because if you're not in the dome dealing with shitty reception, 
well, you're not in the dome. So, hey, it's still going. So uh, I think that's probably the best part of jo- of the whole Patreon experience that we have. So patreon.com backslash tubs of the club. Uh, Jake, we probably need to have you on our off season to get, uh, if we're ever feeling down, like, hey, let's say Idaho loses a playoff game, which, you know, hey, all but one team in the FCS that makes the playoffs will eventually lose a playoff game. Uh, maybe we get you on uh, to uh, talk us up with stories of hell that your dad had to deal with. So we still have that, but Hey, uh, before you go, uh, anything else you want to, you want to bring up anything else you want to give a quick shout out to before we call tonight, you know, tune into dope one double a parlays, FCS fans nation on YouTube. God, I wish I was going to be in, uh, in Idaho this week. I really looked into it. It's my busy season for work. So I just couldn't really pull it off. What's how the hell do you even get there? You know, what idiot. Where do you fly into? How do you drive there? I, I don't know. It's not the easiest. The answer is you fly to Seattle, and then there's a direct flight from Seattle to Pullman. Ah, okay. Or you fly to Spokane, sure, and that's a 90-minute drive. Yeah. I'm sure that's very affordable and all that. But uh, I do wish I was in the Dome this weekend. Sometime I will make it out there. We'll have some, you know, I'll bring a bottle of Malort, and we'll have a good time. So, um you know, I made you drink that when you visited here, didn't I? You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, you did. I visited Jake in Chicago. He made me have my lord. Oh. I gladly accepted. Yeah, he was one was of the weird. better ones at it. Yep. I mean, I'm so, not going to yeah. call Snake River Stampede, but uh, I try to not. You're going to lose them. <laughs> They'll never want to pay you a nickel going forward if you compare them to my lord. Uh, so, yeah, you know, have fun out there. Um you know, Bobcat fans do travel well. I love traveling with them. It's F- FCS football. One of the greatest things is going on road trips with the fans that travel. It's just an amazing experience. So I'm going to miss that. I'll be watching on TV. Ugh, it's going to be a good one. Speaking of which, Captain58 in the comment section, y'all going to miss me on the Discord Saturday. I'm going to be in the building, the eighth wonder of the world. I was terrified he was about to say Holt Arena after that. That hmm. giant beer can with a football field, the P1 FCU Kibby Dome. So, hey, dudes, Captain58 is going to be there. Hey, Captain, I'm going to be there, so I'm going to assault you on Twitter to find you. Uh, but, hey, guys, if um, any of you guys are actually at the game, message us. Love running into running into people that we meet through doing the show. Um Please do not hesitate. This has actually been one of the most fun parts about doing the show. Uh, Kevin Marshall says the fans that travel are way different than the home ones. Uh, 100% agree, Kevin. Thanks for joining on the show for the live stream. Uh, Tom, Tom Kendall saying cheaper to stay in Paris than Moscow this weekend. Jake, we didn't even tell you about how like every Idaho game is also a WSU home game, which makes it a nightmare uh, to get any sort of lodging. Robert Martin, this is how the this is how. Fans from different teams should act. Best of luck, Idaho. Everyone have fun. Hey, you too, Martin. Uh, Robert Martin, I just hope you go home with an L. Uh, look, dudes, thanks, everyone, for joining. Thank you, Jake, for stepping in short notice. Thank you, Martin, for producing. I can't say the other thing you do anymore. With that said, uh, Martin's going to play us out with, with whatever goddamn video he wants. See you guys Saturday. Go Vandals. Go Cats. God damn it. I knew it. I knew it. And go, go Northern Colorado.